Hello and welcome everybody to the Habs World Podcast. I'm your host, Norm Sarek. I have with me my two usual cohorts. First up is uh, Paul. Paul, how are you doing? Oh, very well, Norm. I mean, not even a not even a uh, Marchand overtime goal can can dampen my enthusiasm for mm. trade deadline day. Uh, <laughs> it dampened mine just a little. I'll, I'll admit <laughs> that because <laughs> I hate that. Only guy. for a minute. Me hate too. That, hate that little <laughs> bastard. Uh, next up, Jonathan, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. And yeah, if you're speaking of your hatred of uh, Brad Marshaw, I understand it. But um, you know, man, what a player! And imagine if he wouldn't have been suspended for the 70 or 80 games he's been suspended in his career, he'd probably have the most points of uh, any player over the last decade or pretty close to it. He's, uh, I wish Montreal had six or seven Brad Marchands. Uh, yeah. He's one of those guys. You'd love him if he's on your team and hate him if otherwise. So I, I get that. I get that. All right, guys. Well, before we get rolling too far, I should mention that uh, we're recording this the evening of March 21st, just after the big trade deadline and the Habs were pretty active in that. And I should also mention uh, to, before we go, too far it's episode number 89 the nikita nesterov ryan johnson edition total of less than 20 games played for the canadians between the two of them so (laughs) two remarkable two remarkable players on par with um the other 89 everyone would be familiar with alexander mcgillney Hmm. well i think (laughs) I think Johnson's in a very rare category because he's one of the few guys that we've ever talked about on here that I have absolutely no memory of in the Canadians' colors. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, some pretty obscure guys, but <laughs> he's too obscure even for me. Definitely. Yeah, I had to scratch my head when I looked that one up. Um, all right, guys. Well, let's get going with the uh, the trade deadline stuff because uh, the Habs were pretty active, as I mentioned. We got a lot to cover there. Let's start off with... Probably the the most expected trade, which would be the Ben Schrott to Florida trade. What did you guys think about the move and the return? Well, I'll jump in right away and say, okay. you know, they can Hughes wanted the first round pick and he got the first round pick. And the fact that he got an unprotected first round pick in 2023 is spectacular because now all we can hope for is doom and gloom for the Florida Panthers for <laughs> next year. Let's hope they have, you know, lot of catastrophic not life-threatening but you know minor injuries to a lot of their key players and let's hope that picks a lottery pick because you never know what can happen uh, Montreal could end up with uh, Connor Bedard from that pick probably unlikely the Panthers are one of the best teams in the NHL they're probably going to be one of the best teams in the NHL next year but an unprotected 2023 I will absolutely take it okay yeah um, I echo that those sentiments I thought it was fantastic work for uh, by um our new GM, Kent Hughes, I think that not only did he set the market early by saying he will do the deal if he got what he, what he wanted, he put it in his mind, in the minds of his fellow GMs, what he was going to accept and what he wasn't. And then he did the deal a couple of days ahead of time so that he wouldn't get stuck holding the bag and have to sell his top trade chip off for second round picks like somebody like, so I don't know, Ron Francis. <laughs> so fantastic work by Hughes, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased. Yeah. I, I I know oh, what you're ahead. saying there, Paul. Sorry, I'll jump in there for a second. What about, uh, about Giordano? But you got it. Sherratt's got to have more value than Giordano in recent history. With Sherratt helped take the Canadians to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. A lot of GMs, that's going to be in the back of their mind. They saw his physicality, how he performed through 
whatever it was, 24 games of playoff action and was still, you know, pretty great in that Tampa Bay series. Montreal wins that game one and it's, it's a completely different series. So I understand what you're saying, Paul, with the Giordano deal and them not getting maybe the most value for him. But in my opinion, Sherrod had more value to start. I agree with you, but uh, I'll let you get in here in a minute, Norm. But the fact is, is that all of the analytics guys and a lot of the commentators were beating the drum on how how overrated Sherrod actually was. Um, I think that really actually hurts their credibility because apparently they weren't watching playoffs last year. But uh, nevertheless, there was a, a strong sentiment there. And I think there was some highly uh, analytically inclined teams that weren't in, inclined to Sherrod for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with this trade too. I'm pretty happy with the return. The first round pick obviously is nice. Sure. It's going to be, it's likely to be a very late one, but who knows Jonathan's uh, speculation, maybe he might come true. Hey, and works out even better. Uh, and the data, maybe I'll tell, maybe the next podcast, I'll tell a couple of fairy tales, but what could happen with that? <laughs> that sounds good. We can, but dream. Yep. And that other prospect is uh, sounds pretty promising too. That ties Milanic, if I'm pronouncing that right. Decent size forward, more of a winger than a center, but good speed, decent hands. It's the the scouting report I got out of him. Uh, he's two years into the college career, I believe. So that's fine with me. I don't think see any reason to rush him. He's not. He hasn't been dominating, but he's been doing well enough. I think you know, let him play at least another season maybe even if he really wants to finish his degree let him get the fourth year and go from there he's still only he's 20 right now so that would be a 22 or 21 year old prospect coming out of college I have no qualms about that so I'm yeah I was pretty pleased with that and that comment about the um, hockey analytics people they've always been kind of down on Sherrod, but somebody made a comment uh, who, who follows the hockey analytics that said something along the lines of um, since Martin St. Louis took over, actually Sherrod's analytics numbers were much improved. So it's one of those, you know I think what? it's one of those things. Just take it that way. Yep. Uh, Norm, I love that you brought that up. And I really want to say kudos and incredible amount of appreciation for Ben Sherrod, who, you know, when his name really ramped up in the rumors could have absolutely faded, like, you know, somebody tiptoeing through the tulips but he embraced Marty St. Louis coaching change. He put up uh, 10 points in 12 games right before he got traded, you know, mm-hmm. really, really pushed and made the Canadians get more value. So for that and for everything Sherrod did beforehand, he was a great competitor, tough player, helped him in the playoff run immensely. It, you know, you got to remember at the end of the day, these guys are human beings with families and I'm really happy with the way that he played and increased the value that he got back from Florida because he played so great. So Ben Sherrod, thank you very much. Incredible player. Really awesome. What you did for the Canadians, especially in getting a great return from Florida. Yeah. Like it. I also, he had one of the best lines of the day. He was, apparently he was uh, skating at Brossard today because he, he has permission to use the Canadians facilities until he joins up with Florida. He's still in Montreal. Yeah, because Florida plays Montreal on Thursday. His first game. So he just stayed in Montreal? His oh. first game with Florida is going to be oh. against Montreal. Oh, That's okay. weird because I thought I saw a picture of him with like no logos on his jersey and pants. Exactly. That was him at the practice rink today. So he's <laughs> out there skating with, with Martin St. Louis' son, Mason. And um, 
David Amber or someone like that says to him afterwards, oh, we thought, uh, thought it might have been Caulfield uh, uh, skating with you. And he looks at that <laughs> and says, are you, are you kidding? That kid's way too big to be Caulfield. <laughs> well said. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously he knew the handwriting was on the wall and, and he's a good sport about it. And he knows that, that hockey is a business, just like so many other professional sports, you know, uh, he took it in stride and knew he was going to be, uh, going the UFA road anyway. So, uh, I, 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 I glad that he accepted it and, and kept performing at a high enough level. And I'm glad that, uh, the GM took him out of the lineup at, uh, when the talks were getting, closer to, to fruition. So all in all, X, the way all of that was handled was just perfect. I mean, it just, it's well, it could just have been a, a little better. They could have made that trade about two weeks earlier and he got a few less points to help the Canadians get a few less wins would have been more ideal. Oh, but uh, you know what? Let's hope, let's hope Ben <laughs> likes Montreal so much. Let's hope they sign Ben again this summer, one year deal, trade him again next March, another first round pick. Now blow the coffers up. You know, this Ben can cement himself as a legend of the Montreal Canadiens by helping him produce multiple, multiple first line prospects. Mm. Sign him to one year deals, trade him, bring him back. Ben, you love Montreal. We love you. Come on back anytime. We'll trade you for a first round pick, go on a little playoff run, let the Habs get better. And then, you know what, in a couple of years, you'd be the fifth or sixth defense when a Stanley Cup in Montreal, be a god. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more likely to get Bedard with Florida's pick next year. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I like that. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's move on to the next big trade, which was moving uh, Lekanen over to Colorado for defenseman Justin Barron Baron in the 2024 second round pick. Well, I really wanted them to keep Lekanen. I, I just love the way he plays all the time. And, you know, if he could ever keep his consistency up at this in scoring, you know, to the 15 or 15, 16 goal level is just, you know, a phenomenally important player for a championship team. But that said, his value, I don't think it was ever going to be higher than it was right now. And Montreal wanted a first round pick. I think the Baron, the Baron pickup is actually better than a first round pick because as, as Hughes said many times, uh, they were, they were looking for guys who might be a year or two advanced in their development. And that's where he is. Cause he was picked in 2020. I mean, mm-hmm. he showed really well at the avalanche training camp last summer. He was one of their last cuts. He almost made the team and they're, the avalanche are stacked at D whereas Montreal has nothing at right D and will have less than nothing when Petrie is probably traded this summer. Hmm. I, I don't see, and, and a second round pick on top of that, I don't see how you could turn that down for Montreal. And obviously uh, Montreal's brain trust felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Paul, do you know who Barron played in the World Juniors with as his partner? I think it was a player that we know well that has the initials KG. <laughs> You're correct. And let's hope he can be as dominant as KG in the NBA. I'm not as good. No, no, Kevin Garnett is also good. Yeah. But yeah, Caden Gooley. Yep. So he was his defensive partner. And yeah, from all reports I've read, um, uh, Norm, I'll let you get in here. I know Paul and I are kind of dominating a little bit. You're being a wonderful, welcoming host. You always are. But it's to have to have a guy that Colorado ranked so highly, 
that Colorado thinks so highly of with how deep their defensive prospect pool is and that he's right-handed is it's a, it's a, it's a huge win for the Canadians. And again, I'll say thank you to Arturi Lekkinen who scored the biggest goal in Canadians history in the last 30 years, almost mm. putting them in the finals, you know, after that horrible non-icing call on Vegas, you know, Canadians responded and Lekkinen scored and knocked the Vegas Knights out and put them in the cup finals. And really the biggest goal that, uh, you know, anyone in a red, white and blue Jersey has scored for the Canadians in, uh, you know, almost 30 years. So, uh, Turi, wonderful. Hopefully, have a great time in Colorado. I'd love for the I'd love to see a '96 Finals rematch at this point. Um, you know, Colorado versus Florida, and we could see one of those two guys win the cup, and I won't be angry at all. Okay, I'd be much happier if it was Florida, but never mind. I don't hold a grudge against the Avalanche franchise. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little one. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you there. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with the trade and 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 definitely with the return. Uh, we we've discussed on previous podcasts how, how likely it was that Lekin was going to be traded. Uh, it, why not sell him while his value is at, at its highest? I mean, it it only makes sense. I, I think, although I like him as a as a player, he's a great, hardworking guy, like your typical Finnish player. They they come in, they just they know the defensive game really well, most of them, and they they just seem to fit into that very that type of system really well but his let's face it up until this season he's always struggled on the offensive side right I mean he showed some glimpses a little at the in his rookie season but then he just never seemed to be able to to put it in more often than he should have like I can remember so many times when he had golden opportunities to to snipe and he just I kept thinking the kids just developed cement in those gloves or something because I, I will put an early prediction in and say he's he's going to score at least two big goals for Colorado on their cup run. One of them in overtime. He's a lock for an overtime winner. Mm-hmm. It's going to it's going to happen. Arturi, although yes, lots of goals scoring uh, struggles in his career. Some Avalanche fans think they've traded for a twenty to twenty five goal scorer because he only struggled in Montreal because of their system. That's not going to happen. He's not going to be a regular season guy that puts twenty or more in the net. But he's going to score some big ones uh, this spring for Colorado. Mm-hmm. I, I almost guarantee it. I think you're probably right. I don't think the Avalanche or their fans are going to care what he scores in the in the play in the regular season. I think he, he does elevate his game in the playoffs, not just offensively, but also he's even even more tenacious and, and more um, grinding in the playoffs than he is in the regular season, noticeably. And since he's so remarkably consistent all the time, that's you know, extra noticeable more than some other players. So I think they're going to love him in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bednar is going to love him. No coach doesn't like the way he plays because he makes almost no, he may, although he's, you know, struggles around the net sometimes, he makes almost zero mistakes in the defensive zone. They're going to love him there. You mm-hmm. know, he, he's going to be, he's going to be a favorite of the coaching staff. If he yeah. Oh yeah. I, I totally believe you when you make those predictions and power to him, you know, like let him, let him go and chase that, that dream that he helped us obviously that golden moment there and in, in against Vegas uh, for the Habs. Let, let's see how he does in Colorado. And, and like I was saying earlier about this Baron kid, I really like him. He, he reminds me a lot of uh, a younger version of um, that fellow from San Jose, Mark Edward Vlasic. To me, he's that style of, of defenseman. They're of similar build to they both excellent skaters, good hockey sense, going to make good smart passes 
not going to be an offensive dynamo, but the kind of guy who's really yeah. complementary to to a to a movement system, and which is what I think St. Louis is, you know, instilling now in this crew. So I, I'm 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 really happy and lo- looking forward to see how he uh, how he does, and I guess next training camp is will because I, I, I really don't expect he's going to get a start in um, this season, but next camp, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Oh, he'll be, he'll be fighting for a roster spot for sure next year. hundred mm-hmm. percent based on all the stuff I've read out of Colorado. Yeah. So um, let's see, that covers the biggest trades. And then there were a couple of other minor ones where they moved out. Uh, oh, well, there was the Kulak trade, which was almost a non-trade. I mean, it was, it was funny how some, uh, some of the insiders on uh, the sports networks announced it. And then we had to wait a few hours before somebody made it official. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why it got so backlogged in the trade log there. And yeah, the you know the Canadians are uh, at this point they put a lottery ticket in, hoping that uh, Edmonton makes it to the Cup final, so that way the pick gets pushed to 2023 because that's supposed to be one of the deepest drafts in the last you know 20 years. So hmm. um, well, I guess we're all we're all big Oilers fans now. So we're cheering yeah. for uh, we're cheering for Mike Smith not to sh- not to suck. And uh, that's that's going to be tough because he stinks and he's old. So. No you offense, Kingston guy, you know, all the power to him. You know, great, oh, great is he? Kingston guy. Kingston boys love him. Kingston boys are the best. But, uh, you know. Sound like Don Cherry there year. for a second. I'm doing my best. <laughs> the beautiful boys. The beautiful boys in Kingston, Ontario. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how uh, how Gorton handled that and, uh, and Hughes. I mean, well, I guess Hughes more. In terms of the the aesthetics to it, like beforehand, they were talking about how how much he liked having uh, Kulak in, on the team, and how you know he wasn't really expecting he was or planning to trade him, but he didn't shut the door on it, saying that if an offer came along that impressed him, then he would make a move. I think he handled that well. I'm kind of I'm saying, I, and Bergevin, I like I don't want to be too negative about about uh, Bergevin. I'll save that for a later spot, but he, uh, sometimes <laughs> no, no, he would no, no. make something, Go off, Norm. Go off. he would make a similar statement stuff. like that and then just backpedal and do the reverse. But in this case, it was, it seemed to be a little more genuine. Like I, I think it's part of the transparency that the, that the, that the uh, management team's trying to get in place is what I'm trying to get at. Well, my issue with Bergevin would be like, you know, he'd say he, he'd be saying something like, yeah, well, Kulak's a pretty good defenseman, but he has these troubles sometimes in his own zone or something oh. stupid that would actually yeah. torpedo the value or, you know, Gelchenyuk, he's not a center and he'll never be a center. Like, that's not something you say publicly when you're trying to trade a prospect, right? I far prefer, you know, we're going to, this is what we want for our guys. And if we don't get our price, we're not going to move them. And he got, I mean, he got a second, a player that'll help Laval and a seventh round pick, which is a lottery picket, but it's still a lottery ticket that we didn't have before the trade. So three mm-hmm. assets for Kulak is pretty friggin' amazing as far as I'm yeah. concerned. And how much did that Bobby Orr style Kulak goal help him a couple of days ago? Absolute <laughs> beauty. You ripped it. Top titty. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> amazing goal. And yep. uh, yeah, I bet you that got, that got them, that got them the seventh. That little deke and top corner goal, extra pick thrown in because of that. Because <laughs> Hughes put that on a highlight tape. He sent it on the mass text to all the GMs on their WhatsApp. He said, Check this, guy, this, guy, this guy just scored this goal. He's available. You can score that. You can score that goal in the playoffs. He could. Who wants him? Who wants him? And it looks like you got somebody to bite. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> that might have been exactly what was going on in the behind the scenes, Jonathan. I don't know. Oh no, it, it, it was. I actually, I, I actually cloned one of uh, the GM's phones. I can't say who it was, and I get to read the threads as they come through. So this is verbatim of what happened. Okay. How many picks and prospects we would have had if if Allen had had time to play a few more games like he did today? And yeah. that was that was maybe the only disappointing thing is and they if, didn't get something for him. But well, there's that. But there's also Beast Armia showed up again just a little bit too late. I mean, either either he's <laughs> going to play like a monster for the rest of the season, and some GMs are going to be kicking themselves, or you know he could be invisible for the rest of the week. Paul, 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 Paul. <laughs> I know you were on this thinking they could get something for Armia, but the length <sighs> of that contract and the number of games he plays in a row where he does nothing it makes his value so low because even if it was like, even if he played half the games as good as he can, cause he's so big <laughs> and can be so dominant physically protect the puck so well, but there's just so many games when he seems to have no influence on it. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, not enough ice time or the line mates or, you know, something for him personally, but there's so many times when he doesn't have an impact where if he did, even if he was just physical all the time, yeah. he, he, he would have got another first round pick for them. Yeah, like yeah. he went to the cup finals, he scores playoff goals, he can dominate the puck, but there's so many games he does nothing. And and te- teams look at that and they say, you know, we kind of we got we have these guys in the AHL or guys on our third and fourth line, they're not yeah. going to move the needle. And that's why Armia didn't go because mm-hmm. and if, if he would only had one more year for the contract, they would have got some fun. But yeah. with him yeah, life through the deal, he wasn't getting it. That's why it's good they moved Lucky. That and Bergevin signed the wrong, the wrong fin. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah, that's so speaking true. Of, speaking of Finns getting signed, Norm, thoughts on the uh, Kokaniemi deal? Oh, okay. You want to talk about that now, huh? Uh, let's yeah, see. I'm, 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 I'm going to bring it up and throw it to you. You get to go first. On this okay, I will go first, but somebody remind me too, because I, I didn't quite hear the final official value on the contract. I know it was eight years and it was four points something per season. 4.8, I think. I think, isn't it 4.82? Okay. okay. Seems to stick in my mind for his jersey number again. Ah, uh, oh, see? Oh, nice insight. I didn't catch I, that. I think it is. Okay. The, the, the answer to the question, is it a great deal or a bust, is yes. <laughs> okay, Mr. Diplomat. <laughs> no, it depends. Once once my crystal ball clears, I'll, I'll give you a definitive answer, but it, yeah. it's either... It's either going to be the bargain of the the bargain of the NHL, or it's going to be, you know, just blah. Yeah, I have a feeling you're right, Paul. Like it's going to be one of those, it's going to be one of those uh, signings where one season he'll be on fire and it'll look like an amazing bargain, and there'll be others where he totally disappears and and you're just left wanting more, or they'll be left wanting more. We don't really care. Uh, well, so <laughs> that's my take. I just hope his consistency level, uh, you know, is at Armia level and not Lekkanen level. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's well said. Okay. So, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on, on that since you brought it up? That's kind of the surprising thing for me is it feels like Coke Niemi is betting on himself to fail. Because, you know, if he has a big year next year or the year after, he's making way more money per year. Like his base salary and his cap hit is so low. It's amazing for Carolina if he breaks out and does become the player that, you know, Montreal would have expected. 
you know, how much do we all regret that they didn't draft Brady Kachuk? Because how good would that look right mm-hmm. now? I would love sure. to have that kid on my team so much. Every sure. time the Canadians play, play him, I'm going to be sad they didn't draft Brady Kachuk. They went for the centerman, and, you know, what a mistake that is. But, yeah, it just feels like he bet on himself to fail. But for Carolina, it's going to work out great no matter what because I think it, I think it works. He's going to become a really good third liner. But best case scenario, he's, you know, a guy pushing for the first line. So good for Carolina. Silly by Kokanyemi unless he really thinks he sucks. Well, it is. Remember, he got $6 million this year, so it's like $38 million guaranteed. I mean, hmm. not so silly. But, uh, you sure. know, Still going back to the to Chuck thing, which I think we'll feel bad about for you know ever. But basically, I, I still don't think that was an error in drafting. I think that was a failure of development, and you know that leads us towards uh, you know discussing the other parts of the rebuild. But I think we have another trade to talk about before that, don't we, Norm? Oh, there was um, yeah, the Habs moved um, Andrew Hammond uh, out. Hamburglar. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll go first on that one. I thought uh, I was a little surprised. I was kind of hoping they were going to hold on to him somehow. Uh, since who knows if another COVID variant is going to kick uh, kick in within the next few weeks and uh, take down everybody's uh, rosters again. Uh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. I hope that happens. Let's, let's see. Let's put Gallagher in net. Let's put Suzuki or Caulfield in net. That would certainly help them not win because those kids. Scoring way too many points. Oh, not Caulfield. Jesus. No, no, no. (laughs) Come up to the crossbar. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want him get we don't want Caulfield taking pucks off the head. That's not good. No, no, no. no. I'd want him just playing the puck behind the net and letting in free empty net goals. No problem. Oh, okay. (laughs) But seriously, I did I I thought he played really well for the few games that he was with the Habs. Uh, so I was just hoping in the back of my mind that they would Hold on to him somehow, but I totally understand them moving him out too. So that's that's where I'm at with that one. Well, I guess they agreed to give him a chance to to go somewhere where he might have a chance to play. So he might have a chance to because New Jersey's net mining is a mess. So hmm. they he might have a chance to play in Jersey. So he was very, according to what I saw on Twitter, his wife was grateful to the Canadians for you know, giving him a chance to play and then trading him someplace where he might be able to continue to play. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a nice classy move by the Canadians. You know, the only, the only thing I was kind of hoping I was kind of thinking they might've been able to move Perot or, or Paquette or somebody like that for a couple more seventh round draft picks. But I mean, oh yeah, given how, how well they performed getting the, the value that they got compared to what some other GMs managed. I I'm very, very happy with the, the deadline that, that Hugh Gord had thought it was fantastic. I'm really optimistic. I haven't been this optimistic about the Canadians for a long time. Yeah. Amen. Um, and the other thing I want to mention too, is kind of interesting that they moved Michael McNevin uh, and then who ended up getting turned around and, and traded again, just before the deadline finished. Uh, that oh, was I didn't notice that. Who, where do you go to now? Oh, you had to ask me that. Paul, do you remember? Oh, Norman, you can't Cal- bring it up. Calgary, Calgary. He went to Cal- <laughs> Montreal. Traded him to Calgary. Calgary traded him to. Oh Christ, I can't remember either. Is it Ottawa? Uh, yes, yes, Ottawa. Ottawa. Okay, okay. And speaking of Ottawa, did anybody else think Ottawa's moves were really weird? Like Travis had. Oh, like trading really? for an eighth defenseman. Mm. Why? The yeah, Hammond trade, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know why? It. Because the Senators suck. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm beginning to wonder why. You know, if uh, you know Pierre, uh, if their GM is going to keep his job if he keeps up like this. I mean, the GM almost, will keep his job as I, I long as he him. listens to Eugene Malnick. I almost if call him yes Pierre Gauthier. And a little puppet boy, then you're good. <laughs> I almost called him Pierre Gauthier, but that would be the wrong, the oh, wrong ghost. Remember GM. Remember that guy? <laughs> oh gosh, not, not fondly. No, I thought you were combining Pierre Maguire with uh, with him to make uh, a hybrid GM. <laughs> I was actually, I was actually reminiscing about one brief, brief bright spot about the Pierre Gauthier area. Oh. Era. Is when uh, remember that the Canadians had two forty goal scorers in one year, Eric Cole and Max Pacioretty. Wow, what a time to be alive! <laughs> <laughs> That's true, right? They both scored forty goals, didn't they? Yes, they, yes. I that believe was so. the part that made me laugh. It was the second. And that part, was, part and, of the and I think they, I think that line scored more goals than their second, third, and fourth line combined. Yeah. Because they were yeah. also like a bottom three team that season, if I remember. Correct. And that was the Galchenyuk draft year, which worked out mm. so well. He's an amazing player. Oh, yeah. He's still grinding away in Arizona. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my gosh. So uh, let's keep moving on here. So the next topic I was hoping we could talk about. I wanted to talk in general about what everybody's impressions are of Martin. St. Louis and I'll, I'll start us off because I was kind of there. I think their biggest detractor to uh, MSL when we had our last podcast. So, so I'll own that. So and I looked up their stats. So they're currently after the loss of the Bruins tonight, they were, not, they are now nine, seven, two after, uh, after that loss. But I, I look at it this way, the, the first three games, uh, he never had much time to, I'm pretty sure they were on the road. He never had much time to work with the guys and 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 it took a little time, at least those three games, to try and get get a better understanding on on how to um, how to do what the coach was wanting them to do. Although some guys like Caulfield obviously exploded right away, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a, I guess I have to say I'm a believer now. This uh, let's let's the Habs should be scouting the Pee Wee leagues for their next uh, head coach after this guy. But uh, <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> you know what? Okay, I pause for a moment. Paul, are you watching? This is going to be the true test, Norm. Are you watching any Canadians games live now? I am now. Yeah. No, occasionally. Occasionally, not usually. No, still not. Occasionally, though. Occasionally, but I'm not. But I'm. But I'm not fast forwarding through. I'm not fast forwarding them now. (laughs) The simple way for me to say everything is the compete level of every individual on the team. The ability to watch them play and not it be an absolute torture chamber every moment, every second that the puck mm. is on the ice has changed completely. They're, they're, it's enjoyable to watch. They're aggressive. They're fun. The guys are having fun offensively. They're not trying to play some type of crazy system where they're only, they can only make eight-inch passes because they have to be breathing down each other's necks to pass each other the puck. It's glorious because you're letting the players of skill do what they have to do. Cole Caulfield looks like a revelation. Nick Suzuki looks like the son of God. Things are looking <laughs> spectacular. If, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little upset that they replaced the coaches so soon because a couple more weeks of Dominic Ducharme might have been done some this, this team some good 
really cementing their place in the basement. But Marty's done a good job. They're still in 32nd. I'm not mad. They're, They're still, still in, in last place. place. They're, exactly. They're still in last place. But it could be a little bit. I'd like it to be a little bit more comfortable. It's going to be like 14 <laughs> points at a 28th would be nice. But you, you know what? I love it. You know, when Cole he- and Nick love it. The players love it. They look better. Everyone's having more fun. Go ahead, Paul. When, when he took over, some people said it was a disaster. It was a joke. I said it was brilliant because at the time, they gave themselves an out by naming him as probably nobody really remembers anymore, interim coach, right? Because mm-hmm. I thought if he works, fantastic. If not, he's interim and they'll find somebody else. Uh, little did I guess how brilliant it actually would be. But it's not just the, the, like the, the stars in the making like Suzuki and and Caulfield, they're looking good. Did you see the move Shunanen was making today? He almost walked in and scored a goal, just like Kulak, except he hit the post. He hit the post. It was like half an inch, and he was scoring again. Like, this kid spent four years in college, four years in the minors, even was in the ECHL, and now he doesn't look out of place in the NHL. Like, I, I'd be happy. Hey, this, is the, this is the thing that scares me, Paul, because you, like my buddy Josh, now think Shunanen's like – going to be part of their top six next year. And like, I really believe that, you know, this no pressure environment that they're playing in does lead some players to play better and over their heads. Schoenemann's not good. Come on. Like he's, a, he's, he, he's looking decent. He could be a sixth defenseman next year, but it's not, no, no it's no, not no pressure. No. I, I disagree with the idea. It's no pressure. They're fighting for their careers. They're playing for their lives. Some of those okay, guys, yes. it, right? Okay, in, in that sense, yes, he's playing for his career in his life, but there's no real overlying pressure outside of that. And this yeah. guy's been playing for his career his entire life. He's not playing in an environment where teams are coming in being like, we have to beat the Canadians. We're battling for a playoff spot against them. That changes everything. Schooneman is a borderline NHLer slash AHLer. Please don't be expecting that, him. To that's be what a sixth defenseman six. is. That's what a sixth defenseman is. Is a borderline. <laughs> not on a good team. Not <laughs> They're not going to be a good team, team next year. They're not going <laughs> to be a good team next year. Yeah, guys, I I actually am a, a big fan of Shuneman as well, and that leads us well into a topic I wanted to bring up in terms of underrated Habs, because I like in our current roster, I I kind of have a few of them pegged. Shuneman is one. Rem Pitlick is another, and Laurent Dauphin is another. Uh, anybody else? Well, I have the only thing. Th- go ahead, Paul. No, I was just going to say I'm, I'm just shocked at Laurent Dauphin. I did not think when the Canadians got him or when I saw, I saw him in the AHL that he was going to be an NHL player again. But he's been a revelation since he's been up. I don't know mm-hmm. what role he'll play on a better team but I, I like the way he's playing now and and Pitlick I mean I obviously his his 20 percent uh shooting percentage is not going to be persisting at least I don't think so but I mean um Chicago just got a a ton of prospects and picks for a guy who's shooting 22 percent this year um and so mm-hmm. you know who knows yeah the only thing I gotta say with Pitlick is they gotta play him all those minutes to retain his rights I saw something recently where like he needs to play 14 minutes a game pretty much and dress every single game for the next few, for the rest of the season. So make sure they do that so they can retain his rights. Cause he's got some of a minutes thing, minutes played thing for them to be able to retain his restricted free agent rights. And I would do that for sure because he's been an incredible waiver claim. The only thing I like about Lorraine Dolphin is I like to call him young Dolph. 
um, and <laughs> probably way outside of your guys' uh, bailiwick here. But Young Dolph is a rapper who got murdered in 2021 um, from uh, from the mean streets of Memphis. And oh. I absolutely love him. Um, you know, Down by the Water, great song. 100 Shots, great song. So Young Dolph and rest in peace. All right. It's an interesting take. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I didn't realize there was an there's a minutes requirement on on Pitlick's qualification for for free agency. I thought it was just games played. So that's interesting to hear. And I could be wrong on that. I could have maybe read more into it than there was, but they got to play him lots of minutes, lots of games. Don't scratch him. Okay. Oh yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Hopefully, he doesn't get hurt. Knock on yeah. Down. Yeah, as long as he's healthy, I I agree. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Pitlick as well. I think he's fit in marvelously. Like he and Evans have great chemistry, and it's funny. Some of the things I was reading about Pitlick before he started with the Habs was that uh, his defensive game wasn't very good at all, and and I saw that repeatedly. And that and then I saw Martin Saint Louis starting to put him in, in penalty killing roles. And in different games. And I thought, wow, that is really interesting. He, this is somebody who's really sees the, the tools that the player has and ignores anything else that he's ever done before, or is just, you know, let's face it. He's, he's ignorant of, of it and not in a negative way, but just because he hasn't been in the NHL, Martin Saint-Louis, I mean, but uses that to then say, okay, I believe in you. I think you can do this role show me what you got. And he goes out and he does it. Like to me, I think he's, a, he's an above average defensive player and, and the, the points he's putting up to, to go along with it. That's fantastic. Like for a third line guy, what else do you want? Like, I think he's doing excellent in the role. Yeah. Um, yeah Paul, I'm exactly. actually, or sorry, Norm, I'm surprised to hear. <laughs> I, I actually didn't know that people didn't think his defensive game was good. Yep. To me, that kid never stopped skating. If you don't stop stop skating, usually you're a decent defensive player. It's the lazy guys who end up being bad defensively. I don't think he takes a lot of penalties. His body position seems pretty good. I actually yeah. never knew that people didn't think he was good defensively because to me, yeah, the eye test says he never stops skating. No, I, I, I remember last week the commentator saying it was the first time – I forget what game it was, but it was the first time that Pitlick had ever killed penalties at the NHL level. And uh-huh. I'm like, wow, he's looking really friggin' good doing it. <laughs> yeah. That, I didn't know that either, but it's it's interesting that that with, with that belief in him, he he's really excelling there. And yeah, I, I really hope that they, the Habs can retain him. I think he's got a decent future with this team. I I, I love his work ethic, everything about the guy. Um, and you know, I and I've, I mentioned before, I'm a bit of a Corey Schooneman fan, and he's been. I think he's been blossoming. So I'm more on Paul's side of this, Jonathan, than yours. <laughs> I think, uh, I think I think he's gonna. I think you guys are both drunk then, because <laughs> no offense, no offense to the kid, he's trying hard and he's doing a great job in the situation he's put in. But I'm, see, I'm see the zeros. Yeah, yeah I know. And I, I got and, I'm, and I got the nine point five high test. Still, I'm saying. I think that proves I, something. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, Paul. Maybe maybe you know what? Maybe Corey Schumann will be a Norris finalist next year. I doubt it. But I wasn't going I that far, it. but he's a he's a pure diamond in the rough is the way I six defensemen wouldn't be bad. Look, yeah, I think yeah. It, I, I I think the magic of St. Louis is that he's able to identify the skill sets that other coaches may have not looked at and hmm. give the the players the confidence to go out and perform. And I think what it's really showing us is that at the NHL level, the skill for most of those players is already there, but they need the belief 
of a coach to help them access it and maintain it. So I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised the NHL being a copycat league that teams start hiring unconventional coaches now that this work has worked so well, but I don't know if you can find another Martin St. Louis because there aren't that many hall of fame hockey players who actually had the talent to coach. Hmm. Yeah, that is true. Sorry. Martin St. Louis had a good impact on players and given them more confidence. Has Cole Caulfield improved at all? <laughs> a little bit. Much. A little bit. Let's just let's just say if he keeps it up, he might be back in the in the Calder conversation. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Imagine if he imagine if he came back on the Calder now. That'd be the best. I'd that be would so be pumped. amazing. I almost feel bad for Dominic Ducharme when every time they bring it up, <laughs> and it's so often too. <laughs> yeah, like there's more than one person who said it in in print and on the air. Like, did did Ducharme cost Caulfield the Calder Trophy, which I don't think it's really fair, but Uh, bullshit. Not fair. Yes. Did he cost (laughs) the Calder Trophy? The answer is it's a three letter word. And the answer is yes. (laughs) I think think you, I think you agree with Steve Dangle who after the Toronto game said Dominic Ducharme should be hired and fired again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Probably should. Yes. Probably wise. And you know what, you know, Dom got lucky at the right time with, you know, the Canadians having Perry, Price, and Weber in the locker room. And, you know, I'm sure Dom did some stuff and made some stuff better, but we know who was coaching that team. It, it, it was Kerry, Shane, Corey. That's who was coaching that team last year. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? And health had a lot to do with it, you know, because you think about it. They, they had their share of injuries last season. They couldn't seem to get enough healthy bodies back in at, the, at, at all the same time, and especially the key guys. And yeah, when they had that that break near the end of the season, where some of the guys who were close, they just kind of let them take that extra time off, and then at the start of the playoffs, everybody was was ready to go. And they and think about it, like Caulfield didn't even get in right away, right? He wasn't it the second or third game before they put him in the lineup. Correct. Yeah, yeah they didn't think he could score goals. They wanted him a little bit rest. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, there there was just so many things like that to all help contribute to the magical run last year. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Caulfield at least gets some consideration. I, I think he can keep up this pace or something close to it uh, to get in the running, to get, get a few votes. I wonder what those guys get for, for that. I know it's one of those rookie bonus things that's always in every rookie contract or ELC contract. It depends but, on the contract though. There's different amounts for bonuses depending on each club and the negotiation. They're not standard. I don't think. Right, but I always want, kind of wondered about that. Like, like a Caulfield player would probably ask for, you know, if I, I'd get an extra bonus if I win the cough, the sorry, <laughs> the uh, Calder Trophy, or if I got nominated, or if I was top five or something like that. I imagine, but I'm what sure else? he has some what stuff else? in there for the yeah. contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. the, th- the thing, the thing about Cole is, before the year started, people were saying crazy shit. Like Trevor Zegers was saying. He's going to score 40 goals and all that. And at the start of the year, I want him to score 18 goals. And then when the season got half over, I was like, I hope he scores two goals. Like, mm. is he going to score two? Mm. And and now 18 goals is back on the radar. And if he scores 18 goals this year, which would be five more in the last whatever it is, 18 or 19 games, that'd be amazing. So I, I really hope Cole, Cole gets to 18 goals in his first full NHL season. His shot is incredible. His release is incredible. He's probably the best shooter I've ever seen play for the Canadians in my in my life, and um, 
yeah, I just hope he keeps the confidence up. And I hope that, uh, I hope that Marty wants to continue coaching this team because, you know, I know we talked about it earlier, about you know, the intelligence of giving them the interim tag, but I've heard uh, rumors that he wanted that interim tag to give himself some flexibility at the end of the year. And yeah. If that's the case and he wants to go elsewhere, that, that worries me a little bit because I'd love to keep Marty, even if he costs uh, Jeff Wilson $25 million a year to maybe worth every penny because He's got these guys playing with confidence, and that, I don't care how much money Jeff Wilson spends. So, <laughs> fair enough. Well, I think uh, Hughes and Gorton are spending lots of it, right? They're they're building an analytics department at long, long last. They're yep. bolstering the player development. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, it's yep. unbelievable. Like when they took over, there was like two two or three guys in player development for a franchise like the Canadians. It's just ridiculous. And we wonder mm-hmm. why development was a problem. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, they're spending lots of his money. I'm sure they'll spend it on Martin. I'm sure, you know, they've all, they all know each other. They've had, they've had friends or kids play hockey together. I, mm. I'm sure that they'll get a deal done. Yeah. I mean, does I any of imagine. that make you worry There's... about it, Paul? I think it's becoming an old, old, it's going to become an old boys club and Gordon and Hughes are just going to hire all their old boys. Like, LeCavalier was in Montreal the last couple of days, you know, playing a little bit of early spring golf in Montreal with St. Louis, Hughes and Gordon. That, that worry at all? I don't because, um, you know, the, the skills development guy they brought in from the, from the Leafs is well regarded around the NHL. From everything I read, he's, he's an outstanding skills development person. And is um, that skills coach only teaching them regular season skills? Not teaching them any playoff skills, I hope. Correct? <laughs> well, I think they'll. I think those will transfer. But we, I, I forgot to say this when we were talking about analytics. The biggest problem in my in my estimation with analytics is simply that they're pretty much all the models are built on data from the regular season, right? And we all know that the game isn't officiated the same way in the playoffs. So when you take data from one situation and you try to predict a different situation, it doesn't work. Not entirely. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it can give you approximations. But you need you need both. It's like like I, I I'm in academia. Like there's for years there's you know quantitative or qualitative stati- uh, research. You need both. You need the big picture. You need the you need the the quantitative. You need the data, but you need the qualitative. You need the eye test too. You need both, and you need to have. Mm the team working together and that's what Gordon and Hughes are saying is that everybody's going to have input and then they'll make a decision based on the best input and the most information they can get. So that's the reason why I don't think it's going to turn into an old boys club is because it's not the old boys club. It's the problem. The problem is a, a, a culture of yes to the boss because he's your buddy. Yes, that you're right. That's good. And then you get group thinking, you get everybody making bad decisions because nobody's afraid everybody's afraid to speak up because they owe their job simply because they are you know a buddy gorton doesn't need to be buddies to keep his job hughes was probably making more money as a player agent than he is as gm of the canadians so he doesn't need to to kiss up to anybody to keep the job if he's performing and you know every move they've made so far has been spot on. Of course, they're going to make mistakes. They're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But I don't think slipping down the, the slope of being an old boys network with yes men is going to be the, the issue with them. Doesn't. Start what about you, Norm? Do you, th- do you think that's a possibility at all, that Montreal could be slipping into some type of old boys club with all the hires being you know, some previous affiliation to Hughes and Gordon? I don't think it's going to be an old 
boys an old boys club but i i I understand the uh, the idea or the concept that they're they're going to bring in some people that they're familiar with some people though they've reached out like that skills coach guy that uh, paul just mentioned from the toronto organization they had no ties to him so they're i think they're smart enough to 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 balance the two or juggle the two to try and come up with a, uh, a hybrid approach to this and the modernization part that that uh, in terms of analytics and other things that Paul mentioned too, I'm I was happy to see that, and I think they're finally going in this. Uh, <laughs> the fact that it was pointed out that that the Habs have been doing some things in the back office, uh, uh, you know, back to when they were what 1986 year, it was was not at all surprising. But I was glad that somebody actually stated it because I kind of had some doubts about that stuff too. Well, the other thing is look at look at the transformation and communications around the clubs and Chantel Maccabee took over. Mm-hmm. You know, originally when that happened, I was wondering why Paul Wilson was fired. And now I'm wondering why he wasn't fired like long before. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, now they're actually proactive. They're, they're talking about stuff. There was all these rumors flying around about Carey Price and Chantel Maccabee is like almost instantly out on Twitter putting out a press release saying, no, this is the way it is. This is what's happening. This is what's not happening. Yeah. This is what we can tell you. This is what we can't tell you. Yeah. Right. No, no kind of false narratives or bullshit. Just these are the facts. This is what's happening. And, you know, don't get your hopes up because we don't know yet. Yeah, you bright you bring up a really good point. That um sorry, Paul Wilson, was that the fellow who was replaced? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If I remember correctly, he had only been in the position for a few seasons because and the fellow he replaced was there for like 20 plus. He was a, a lifer. And so yeah, I, again, I think it was one of those areas where they just you know, Molson management just kind of let their hands up and say, well, these guys are supposedly experts let them do their job but nobody really checked that to make sure that they actually were or keeping up with the times at least was so. it was it donald beauchamp who was the yes guy before that's, that? yes. that's the yes. fellow yes and and they he had a certain standard but like just the whole i can't help but think that you know the whole logan mayu uh, issue would have been a lot better if if maccabee had been there instead of Paul Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. A little bit of proactive work might've made that a lot better. Yeah. They Bergevin definitely needed another set of eyes to, to on that before announcing it. It was, yeah. I mean, like we've talked about before, I, you know, the kid's a good prospect, but it was just the PR was terrible. Like the worst. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's move forward. So let's talk a little bit about what else did I have on the list here? Oh, the Habs rookie dinner. Now I brought this up as a point because I I remember seeing that comical picture of the guys uh, dressed up in scuba gear or something or or whatever when they're out in Vancouver to have their big uh, team rookie dinner. And other than Caulfield, I wasn't really sure who who all was... uh, having to foot the bill for that did you guys recognize who was in the picture or could speculate who would have been involved because they probably haven't had one for a few seasons thanks to covid right yeah uh Pitlick yeah, so would have been in could... there sorry yeah lorraine dolphin would have been in there okay okay they had like Romanov, six or seven guys right there. 
Yeah, Romanoff. That makes sense. Okay. Would, would, would Dothan be in there though? He he's played twenty six games with Arizona before he came to. Yeah, Arizona. but he's uh, he's a newbie. I think he would have been. They would have. They would treat him like a newbie and say, "Hey, Lorraine, you're paying the bill for the vets tonight." You know, we've we blue lighted every single one of your drinks every time you've gone on the U.S. trip. Where we're not, <laughs> you know, following the Canadian COVID rules, so. You can pay the bill this time. <laughs> young, young Dolph. Uh, you know, okay, okay. Uh, Ryan Paling. Okay, he would have been Paling. another one, right? I think he was. Yeah, still too bad he got roster. hurt. Hey, Frig, I feel yeah. bad for the kid. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. And you know what? He he he's not turning out to be the first uh, the first round pick we wanted him to be, but he's turning. He looks like he's going to be a very serviceable NHL player. So yeah, I hope I'm, so. I'm 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 uh. I'm not disappointed with uh, with what he's going to end up being. I don't think because I think I think Paling can play hockey. Yeah, just has to stay yeah, healthy. Just yeah, yeah. He needs to learn to protect himself better, like uh, like that guy from Toronto, Case or Cassie, who oh Cassie, yeah. Has, yeah. has had umpteen uh, concussions and goes into contact head first. You uh, he, you, you got to learn to protect yourself better than that if you want to yeah. stay in the league. And and Paling has a bad habit of going to the corners with his head down. Still, I, I hope he, I hope this last instance kind of broke him of that habit. Yeah, but I couldn't name all the guys in that photo. I don't think without uh, there being some forensic evidence uh, norm, I think it'd be challenging to do with the masks on and stuff. So yeah, maybe that was part of the process. Who knows? Maybe one of the guys in the there? Masks was Shea Weber there. Yeah, Shunem and yeah, Shunem oh, would have been yeah, there. He should have been there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's your guy's favorite uh, player. You guys each have his jersey on your wall. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> I'm too much of a pragmatist. I don't have any names on any of my jerseys, not even my own. <laughs> uh, I would, yeah, I, I, well, I, I just lost out on a Toffoli t-shirt because of, uh, because of the trade. I was wearing it during our last podcast too. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, no, Norm, are you, Norm, you're like me. Once they leave the Habs, you don't wear it. No, no, I'll still wear it just to have it around and that. I, I yeah. still admire the guy. I, I really have no qualms about it about it. Yeah. I have a I have a great Maz, Matt's Naslin t shirt somewhere, but oh, I think I think I need twenty six. I think I need to dig it out and frame it rather than actually wear it. Huh. And sorry, a t shirt? You have a Matt's Naslin t shirt? Yeah. Yeah. How's that even possible? It was like a caricature of, of Naslin. I, I've had it for, as you can imagine, for a very long time. Oh, okay. one of the greatest, one of the greatest three Swedish players to ever play the game of hockey. Yeah. Send us a pick sometime. Yeah. Like to see that. Yeah. Um, where, if I can find it, I'll see if it, I'll see if it still fits for the next podcast. If not, I'll, let, uh, let your I'll son put it. On. it. <laughs> he, he was wearing one of my t-shirts from my rugby reunion in 1987 it fits him now a lot better than it fits me <laughs> I bet, yeah i wasn't gonna ask that <laughs> okay guys uh, yeah. uh so there was another topic that i want to bring up that draft debate one there was a really interesting one on twitter about that that grant mckeg fellow talked about it i shared it with you guys about where they should, uh, what they should do with their number one pick. So, uh, I mean, obviously the, the Shane Wright sweepstakes is the, is the key guy for this, uh, for this draft, but there's no guarantees as we know, but uh, the Habs will have that number one pick. He might end up two, three or four or something. Or so five, if, six, it depends on what he is. He might even seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I don't see them dropping out of the ten. So it's somewhere in there, in that. No, range. they they can't. They they'll they should be if top they, three. If they but... pick, if they pick eleven, people have people have to die. 
Yeah. Because that pick, they lose the pick if it's 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, if it's I don't not think... 10th or better, heads should roll. There's no way. I, I think, like, for a while there, they were playing, like, 700 hockey under under St. Louis, and they, they were still in last place. So even yeah. if they won all the rest of their games, like, I looked at the, did you don't look even at the standings? Say those words, Paul. They are, they are, <laughs> like, the Bruins were in the first uh, wildcard spot spot right and i think the before tonight's game the canadians were like 29 points behind them so now they are 30 points behind the bruins the standings, <laughs> I hope they end up normally would make me extraordinarily unhappy but this year doesn't um <laughs> but back to your point norm slavovsky i think that's how you pronounce it the, mm. the big Slo- slovakian kid yeah um i wouldn't be unhappy if they picked him but yeah. you know what i'm sure that hughes and gorton and the guys that they have that in scouting no better than me. So if they pick somebody else, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm, I'm really like a, a, a giant young kid. Who's good, who scores and can skate, you know, I mean, I love small players. I'm not the biggest guy myself. Um, but you know, if you have the size and the skating ability, you gotta go for it. Sure. The Canadians always got into trouble drafting size without skating ability. Uh, you know, Michael McCarron. Yeah. Yeah, Terry Ryan, that kind of thing. Oh. Tenority. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too many of those, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with with. Yeah, that's the kid. In fact, that's the kid who helped the uh, Slovakian team get a, a medal in the Olympics, right? We were exactly. That. That's right. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So he his stock has jumped a lot, and he's and only seventeen. He's six foot yeah. six, and he's seventeen years old. Yeah, crazy. So yeah. he's supposed to be quite the sniper, and he he potter them in the olympic run so that's pretty impressive for the for being that age and playing against men yeah so yeah he's he's high on their list play, play, when you say playing against men you should also add the word inferior above it though playing against inferior men like this isn't a okay. normal olympics right yeah who's yeah. the captain of team candidate eric stall okay who's okay. the second line center david deharnay like let's sure. let's let's also be a little real here right he wasn't playing against Sidney crosby and Connor mcdavid yeah, but no. I just meant he wasn't playing against junior age players. That that no. that's all, and it's still pretty impressive to to do that much with that little. Uh, is the way I'm looking at it, but fair, fair enough. Fair. Still, yeah. um, so and there are a couple. Like to me, I think their their needs are stronger on the center side. If they would, if they could identify a center to pick with their first round pick, whoever, whatever. Oh, is he not a center? Right. I think he is a center. The no, Slovakia he's a winger. He's a he's winger. winger. He's definitely a winger. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I stand uh, yeah, if it's, uh, I'm going to disagree with you guys here. If they pick first overall and they pick anybody besides Shane Wright, I think it's the wrong choice. Yeah. I think a guy with the pedigree of this long, and I know you're going to hear the comparisons as, as, as we get closer to the draft saying Shane Wright is Nolan Patrick, and this is wrong. Shane Wright is going to be, you know, he might help. He'll never, he's never going to win a Ross trophy. He's not going to be a Rocket Richard trophy winner. He this he's a very, very, very good player. Yeah. He's going to be, he's going to last a long time in the NHL. He's going to be very dominant when he's on the ice. He's going to be able to play both, both sides of the puck, all three zones. If they pick first and they did pick anybody besides Shane Wright, I'm going to, I'm going to believe until I'm proven wrong that it's the wrong choice. Okay. 
Well, yeah, you could be right. And I was kind of projecting if they didn't get the first overall pick. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would be assuming that if they didn't, somebody else would take right. But if yeah. he dropped, yeah. Shane Wright's going number one. He's going yeah. number one. He has to. The yeah. comparison with Patrick isn't really on because no, like Patrick played for Brandon. He had a significant injury history long before he ever got to the NHL. Yeah. And you know, I've, I stood next to the guy and there's no way he was even close to his listed stats. Not even close. He was, oh, really? he's, a, he's a smaller guy, oh. uh, r- really muscular, but, but short and injury prone. And he was injury prone in Brandon. He was hurt all the time. Hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that. to see him struggle at the NHL level at all. Yeah. I remember that, which I feel it, bad which, for the guy, but now that he's yeah. in Philadelphia, now that he's not in Philadelphia anymore, you know, I hope he blossoms. Sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And I, and I agree. And I was on, on the vein of, of if the Habs don't get the number one pick, then, then I'm looking at sure, other sure. alternatives because yeah, I, as I said before, I think I, I, I liken him to like a Kirk Bowler, Shane, Wright. That's the type of player he, he kind of reminds me of. And that's so not a bad you player. You say Kirk Muller? Yeah. Do you know what Kirk Muller was the last player to do? Captain the Canadians to the Stanley Cup? No, he wasn't the captain. But he did oh, score the last Stanley terrible. Cup game-winning goal for a Canadian team. Ah, that's it. Ah, okay. Yes. Okay. So, okay. yeah, Shane Wright, if Shane Wright turns out to be Kirk Muller, score, <laughs> score a cup-winning goal for the Canadians, I'm a, that's a good draft pick. <laughs> okay. Yep. I could live with that. Even if even if he only scores one goal in his career, I'd be okay if that's the one. No <laughs> Great draft pick. Zero zero regular season points, one playoff goal, Stanley Cup game winner. Beautiful. I'll buy twenty of his jerseys. <laughs> yep. For once, I can't argue with you at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see what else. Oh yeah, there there was talk about there were coming into the trade deadline too that the Habs were going to move uh, Shea Weber's contract. I was kind of surprised that it didn't happen. Did you guys get any wind of that? Yeah, uh, I guess uh, Hughes said in his press conference that they almost traded it, and oh. then Carol and then Arizona picked up um, Ryan, Ryan Little's contract from from Winnipeg. Oh yes, okay. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they won't need Shake Weber's contract in the in the summer because or, or that another team might not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Arizona is just such a mess. I mean, they're they're going to be playing in a an arena that's like half the size of most AHL arenas. It's just insane. Mm. Yeah, and that's like, because Gary's got all his cards in on Arizona. He'll keep that franchise there no matter what. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's hey, that's, that's hockey, baby. This is Arizona hockey, baby. Nothing's better than the Coyotes. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> They didn't trade as many players as I expected them to. And okay. I was a little bit surprised that Vegas didn't find a way to add anybody. But I mean, yeah, I suppose. You know what? I, I got this feeling Excuse Vegas me. knows that with the injuries that this is not their year. They're done. Yeah, yeah. they're um, they are really hit hard with injuries. You're right. Yeah, really bad. But it's it's not a good look for them when they gave away Flurry for basically nothing, and then Chicago trades him for a conditional first pick. And and oh, yeah. and Vegas's biggest problem with injury is goaltending. Yeah, <laughs> there's some yeah, karma for you now too. Eh? Yeah. Well, that that segues well. Let's let's t- uh, talk a little bit about around the uh, hockey world because I think um, 
got a couple things to discuss there and i think we kind of exhausted the hab stuff but yeah that was that one was an interesting one were there really any other interesting uh trade deadline moves that, that you guys want to talk about um i thought kyle dubas did really well for toronto which pains me to say but i was really really happy to see arizona take the goals at the finished goaltender that toronto would put on waivers to sign for some depth Oh, I love that oh, yeah. so much. That makes me so happy. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's the Leaf sign this Finnish goaltender. Let's bring him over. And the Sensei, no, thank you. We'll take him through. <laughs> Perfect waiver claim by Arizona. Love it. One of the best yeah. waiver claims of the year. That was yeah, surprising. Absolutely. The, the only thing that could have been made it better is if somebody was ballsy enough to pick up Mrazic as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alas, Montreal already had four goaltenders. <laughs> yeah, you know what, I do. I do think the Leafs will embrace being the underdog because, like, they're going to play Carolina, Tampa Bay, or Florida, and yep. all of those teams are going to be the heavy favorite. Maybe not the betting favorite because there'll always be a lot of money coming in on the Leafs um, because of all the Leafs fans. Like that's going to be the case. But like in yep. terms of the hockey media, whoever they line up in the first round against, everybody's picking against the Leafs. Yeah. Everybody. And I think they're going to embrace that. I think the Leafs are on the way to the Stanley Cup. I hope you're wrong. Yeah, I hope you're wrong. Also, <laughs> I, predict, I, I predict you're wrong. There. I think they're going to be lucky to get out of the first round because their goaltending is going to suck and they're not going to be able to score enough to make up for it. That'd be spectacular. Who gets traded then? Nealander, Marner, or Matthews? Dubas. Or Dubas fired. One of those things is happening. I think Dubas will go first, which is really unfair because you know he's done a fantastic i think it pains me again to say it but i think he's done some fantastic work with what he if has you believe if, if you believe that's true then you believe he'll be rehired within 12 months because if he's that good of a gm he'll be rehired within 12 months my guess is dubas gets fired you don't hear his name again for at least half a decade hmm. you could be right hmm. could be right um but that like how did he get an extra player out of out of seattle in the giordano deal like they should have been, they should have been giving up an extra fourth round pick for the salary retention, right? At least, like that's that's why I heard Montreal got an extra pick in the Chirac deals because they retained salary. But instead, oh. Toronto has Seattle retain salary and they get the extra player. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, um, maybe it's a contract thing. Maybe Seattle wanted a contract books because they got a lot of guys they want to sign to get those fifty contracts in the summer. That'd be my only guess. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm really unimpressed with what Ron Francis did in Seattle. I, I can see him being fired in a couple of years if it, if it doesn't turn around in Seattle fairly soon. I, I just don't see the team building that he's supposed to have done. Even though he has a shitload yeah. of picks, Montreal has almost as many. So yeah. um, it seemed to me he, he hasn't really leveraged the salary cap space and the potential for deals that he had. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being hard on the guy. I have nothing I against think, Ron Francis. I think, I think maybe you'll be a little hard on the guy because you're expecting them to be Vegas and go to the cup finals and make several deep playoff runs because of the recent history. But, you know, the other thing no. you got to remember with Ron Francis, who thinks a name like Ron Francis means anything? The guy's the fifth leading scorer in NHL history. What yep. an absolute legend. Imagine that. Fifth leading scorer. And he's yep. just, you know, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a big guy, six foot one, six foot two. Yeah. But, like, not not a superstar. If you ask people to name the top 10 scores in NHL history, people probably don't even say his name, but he's fifth. The yeah. guy was a legend. 
Yes. So. But I, oh. I, I, I'm not hard on, on Francis because he think I know we don't have much time left, but not hard on Francis because I expect him to go to the playoffs. I'm hard on Francis because I expect him to make some trades to get some more picks at the at the okay. deadline and make a better job of his picks. I mean, okay. maybe okay. maybe he's got a bunch of stuff lined up for the draft. Oh, maybe. that's possible. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully Montreal does too. You know what? Crackheads are probably a little bit, you know, they're, you know, they like to wait to the last minute to get things done. So that's what a crackhead does. It just follow the old crack and crackhead mentality. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Um, well, one of the trades that came up too, I wanted to bring up, I thought it was kind of funny because it had a hab tie in that fellow, uh, Brandon Hagel that Chicago traded to Tampa for two first round picks. Like that blew me away by itself. But then I was, when I was digging into some other articles, I saw that, uh, or it was on Twitter that it was funny. He, the Habs had invited Hagel to their prospect showcase back in 2018, but they didn't sign him. And then Chicago signed him a month later. I was like, Oh, yeah. you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> it's yeah. Panarin all over again. You know, just things sometimes work out. I'm, I'm not sure if you like, I, I just sorry to change the subject now, but do you guys know the Panarin story? No, no, go ahead. O- only team interested in Panarin. Only team interested was the Canadians. His team gets down three nothing in the first round of the KHL playoffs. Nobody else is interested. They lose the next game. He signs with Montreal. They win four games straight. Come back for three games to nothing. Panarin ends up finishing second in KHL playoff and scoring. Everybody's interested. He signs in Chicago. All the oh. Habs needed was all the Habs needed was that was Panarin's KHL team to get swept in that first round, and he'd be a Montreal Canadian, and they either would have had him or delta for a whole bunch of assets and he would have been the legend that he was because he was already fully mm-hmm. developed they couldn't have screwed him up he came right into the nhl <laughs> yeah, exactly. so yeah. some stuff just doesn't work out you know and yeah. you know in hindsight jeff molson should have hired a hitman and you know <laughs> kidnap it's russia right you know kidnap panarin for one game keep him out of the lineup he scored four points in that in game four to extend the series to game five Kidnap Panarin, let him get swept, sign him, you're golden. And say, yeah. and, and Molson would be like, no way Panarin's going to be like, Molson, did you kidnap me? And be like, what do you mean kidnap you? I'm in Montreal. I don't know anything about Russian kidnappings. You know? Yes. We need a billionaire willing to leverage his assets to the nth degree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Roman Abramovich. <laughs> Can you imagine a, a large bag of money with a dollar sign left behind? In Russia, <laughs> smuggled across in a laundry bag. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff used to happen when the Iron Curtain was still up. Right, right. Smuggled out in, in oh, any way they could. Yeah. <laughs> um, heading back that way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait. There is, yeah. I don't know if I wanted to talk about that one, considering it's a little more political, but I'll, uh, I'm going to save that one for another time. I wanted to point out this one thing, because I don't know if you guys meant, heard about uh, or remember even Sean Avery playing in the AHL long ago. And he tried, he's 42 years old now. He tried to get a comeback to get into the NHL by, by starting off in the ECHL. You guys remember Sean Avery? Yes. Of course, yes. I read okay. his book. Oh, you did? Okay. Okay. I thought the guy was a tool. I don't know. Do you guys yes. remember this, this big, there was a big <laughs> blow up in... Um, the OHL when Avery was a junior player and this guy for, I think it was the Spitfires went just ape shit crazy on the guy in a fight and then, and beat him down. And then he did some wrestling moves or something afterwards. And it caused this huge hubbub afterwards that it was Avery that caused that. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. I, I, I don't remember exactly. that. I remember, 
I remember the Avery rule because he was being such an idiot jumping up and down in front of the goaltender and you know oh yeah yeah that was uh making a complete ass of himself. oh in front of that Marty Bordeaux. Marty Bordeaux. yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it was uh, uh paul bisonette said that if he if if avery actually signed that he'd sign the contract with any of his competitors just <laughs> well I, George I love Barack that. tried that yeah oh my gosh yeah. I just think it's ridiculous. The guy's 42. What is he trying to prove? But anyway, but his, his comeback lasted what? One day, two days. Um, yeah. And then, and then he got, he missed his yeah. wife. So he went home. Went Maybe home that's it. <laughs> no rea- reality and his knees struck home. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, shoot. I just noticed the time guys. We are running right out of time here. I'm going to have yes. to wrap it up right there. Thanks very much for joining me. Well, Good night, cool. gentlemen. Great, great post trade deadline talk. Loved every minute of it. Definitely. Thank you as always. Peace out. Till next time.